0: hey ladies
1: morning hello
0: hey we're gonna take a new talk today and actually go through a piece of nonfiction. new reading for me recently it's called the seven husbands of evelyn hugo and i found out after reading it and raving about it you both had already read it a long time ago so feeling <laughs> a little silly but here we are in pride month and i think it's a, a great nonfiction novel, but certainly relevant. Uh, You can wrap up a lot of different people and characters and personal and professional life with Evelyn Hugo. And so I thought we would start off with a couple of questions at the back of the book. Sounds great. First question is, Evelyn offers some firm words of wisdom throughout her recounting of her life, such as Be wary of men with something to prove. Never let anyone make you feel ordinary. And it's okay to grovel for something if you really want it. What is your favorite piece of advice from Evelyn? And were there any assertions that you strongly disagreed with?
1: Hmm. So one of the things that I struggled with with the book was just how she felt like and and it was true in the time right that she had to live an inauthentic life um and so even though she's got some great advice at the end um it doesn't feel like she learned the authenticity of living into who she was And what she would have had to give up, and if that was worth it. She was rich, she was famous, but she spent a lot of time not being with the people that she loved most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, she definitely was still, had the scarcity mindset ingrained in her, which like you Kate I spent time thinking like if she can't live her truth now when if she can't live her truth now when like what does it take what does it take to feel safe to live your truth and to risk again especially after she had so much loss I don't want to spoil the book for people haven't read it but she sustained so much loss um but like how do you how do you know when you when it's safe to love again or to open yourself up again um and even for the first time to just be your authentic self um and it reminded me of um people that live through the depression you know and even though this was with the residents i took care of all the time in the assisted living community i worked in right even though they are wealthy enough to live in an assisted living community, which is very expensive. They're still like trying to take the milk from the dining hall. And, you know, like I would go in their rooms and find 12 milks. And so I also felt like it, it, it led her to be selfish. That was one of the things I got frustrated with. There was manipulation there. Yes, That's it, that's the word, Kate, manipulation. It's so funny that Gwen asked us, what was her best advice? And now we're like picking her apart, (laughs) because she had good advice too. But anyway, but yeah, what you said, Kate, manipulation, keep like, keep going with that.
1: Well, when she says the, you can grovel for something, um, or grovel, grovel for something, that feels like manipulation. And I'm not sure how I feel about groveling because there's a there's a subjugation that that puts someone in, but there's also there's power that people have over others. Where asking, so let's take the word groveling, mm-hmm. and asking, um, asking for what you want, and and seeking that out and continuing to ask, um, I think is good advice. I don't know that you need to scrape your knees on the floor in order to get what you want. I think you're asking the wrong person Mm. if you're, if you're scraping your knees on the floor.
0: Mm. That's really interesting. interesting. Be wary of men with something to prove. And yet that was her throughout the book with something to prove or throughout her story. So I'm not sure that should have been a question about men. Mm -hmm. that's a really good point that to, to just be
2: wary of people who might whose own story is so much more important to them than anybody else's right and that can be anybody does it genderless
1: that's genderless yeah because she manipulated other people Right, she married the first guy
0: the whole way through
1: yeah. because she had something to prove,
0: beginning to end. <laughs> yeah.
1: So not only did she not live an authentic life, but she wasn't authentic at the end either.
2: Wow. And and it brings up a messy question that for there's no to me there's no good answer there's no there's no pat answer right it depends on the situation, but if you're somebody who's True self is a marginalized person who doesn't have any power and doesn't have a seat at the table. Like, how do you gain access to places that you don't have access to without doing some kind of adaptation, which can be in the form of being false and and or manipulating other people to get what you want to get which is access to power that other people mostly white men have and women and um non-binary people and people of other um races socioeconomic classes
1: ethnicities don't have I don't know the
2: answer
1: the sacrifice that people who have made it to that station of power and then made their status known Mm -hmm. and then had the retribution of oh Well, even though we love you now, we're going to cancel your sitcom or we're going to not we're going to blackball you as a uh, we're going to what's the term that we're supposed to use now? Um, We're going to cancel, cancel you as a person. Right. We're not we're not going to award you these things because we disagree or we're scared of or whatever Um, that that's a huge sacrifice that people make when they get to the status and then they reveal. Mm -hmm. But it's I wish awful. Ellen was here right now because we really need to talk to her about this question. Mm-hmm. Who? Ellen. Oh, yeah. generous. Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I, I think ultimately that's what Evelyn Hugo was contemplating her whole life. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about Hollywood stardom. It was she finally made it to this position of power and influence and notoriety and her legacy Was she willing to then put that on the table or was she happy uh, regardless of, of legacy, how she would be perceived in her lifetime? And she chose her legacy over love.
1: Yeah. I do think that's the only way though, that we, break through the stereotypes is to have those brave people who are willing to to reveal things and to have the conversations but i read something the other day i can't remember where it was but there this mantra of how does it affect me Mm. how does someone a man loving a woman a woman or a man cross-dressing how a man deciding to be another gender, uh, not deciding, but but coming out as their gender, it does not affect me. And in fact, my support of them living their authentic self does affect them. And so when we think about what our roles are as cisgendered women, I feel deeply into that authentic support of someone who is living their truth. Mm-hmm. That's my obligation to them. Yeah, and, I haven't said that. <laughs> and to be willing
2: to figure out what it looks like to lean out our own voices so that that their voice can lean in. Um, I saw this quote yesterday. I think that was. I loved and, it, but I have to, it, I don't even think of myself as wrestling with it, but that's a load of crap. Cause I obviously do. I always just assign that role to, of wrestling with letting other people have rights uh, with white men. But the quote was um, equal rights, more rights for others doesn't mean less rights for you. It's not
1: pie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Love that. Yeah. It's it's not the scarcity mentality. It's not the competition. It's not if there's gain over here, there's loss somewhere else. Um,
1: it's not a zero sum game.
0: It's just not. But that is unusual in this capitalistic society
1: that we live in in this country there's that it's funny that you bring up capitalism because there are societies who have um who have revered those who have a second spirit or who are trans or who um have just supported i was reading the other day um Portugal mm. uh, recognized their first. I am going to get this wrong, but they recognized their first trans man in seven in the seventeen hundreds. I won't say the exact date, but it was like the late seventeen hundreds. Mm. It was either Portugal or Malta. Um, it might have been Malta actually, which is interesting because Malta is a very Catholic country. But they that was their op- their first openly trans. Yes, be called whoever you want. What is your name mm-hmm. now? I will call you that. Mm. And then I just I think of those who are like, who say, oh, like it's so much work for me to to have the the grammar be wrong, pronouns, right? Yeah. Why why should I bother
2: with pronouns?
1: Yeah. Or I will just call them by their name. I won't bother with pronouns Mm -hmm. it's a part of being seen and oh my gosh that little tiny bit of oh yes i need to remember to call someone by their preferred name or pronoun is so little effort Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in comparison to what that person is going through and having to correct and correct and correct and correct everybody not just you
0: and mm-hmm. constantly disrespected, the, the little microaggressions, even though they're not even intended to be microaggressions, they are little signs of disrespect, disregard, difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the dual spirited thing. We we all talk about balance. I, I mean, I find it fascinating that if someone is male and female, balanced in spirit and has both perspectives. That should be considered to be healthy. Special. Special, unique, yes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right, let's move on to the second question. Several times Evelyn mentions having cosmetic surgery. What was your reaction to this? How do these decisions jibe with the value system and ethical code that she seems to live by? And why do you think Evelyn continues to dye her hair at the end of her life?
1: I have an opinion on this. Um, I say do whatever makes you feel good. Um, I've started listening to Julia louis um Wiser Than Me podcast, which is um, women who are near to 80 for the most part. Um, and... And one thing is consistent is they've most for most of them they've been they've decided to stop dyeing their hair, Um, and I think whatever makes sense for you. If you know, I've 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 not had surgery done, but I fully support people who want to have surgery. Um, I've had little things done, like uh, I got my Botox yesterday. I got my secret yesterday. Uh, Shout out for Dr. Kosla because she does a great job. Um, You can still see my forehead wrinkles because it hasn't um, come in yet, but <laughs> it will. <laughs> in previous podcasts, you can see the flat forehead, um, but it makes me feel good. My, I don't wear makeup because my skin looks great. Um, so I think that there's you know, whatever makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Liz, I wonder what your take on it is.
2: Um. Well, my 15 year old was in the car with me yesterday and she was talking about how she can never get old because, oh my God, that's so gross. And I'm not kidding. Those, I didn't know what to say, which is pretty typical right now for me with my teenagers. Um, so I just said, yeah, I, I can understand not being able to relate to the idea of getting old. I didn't, I couldn't visualize myself past 18, so I just assumed that I was going to, like, a tragedy was going to befall me and I wasn't going to live past 18. Um, but she was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, I can't even, so gross, like, oh, my God, like, what if I got gray hair? <laughs> and I just, because I'm currently wrestling with whether to stop dyeing my hair, and I have a gray jean, so I have, like, snowballs around my head. Um, uh, I just kind of was like, wow, that's a really, like, I'm accustomed to seeing that kind of stigma in our culture, but not so much from my own children. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and you know, I have had plastic surgery twice. Um, and I agree with you, Kate, I think, Whatever you want to do, but I just think that's so much easier said than done in our culture. And I look at people, you know, like Jane Fonda, who's one of her get, get the guests on on um, Julia's podcast. And of course, I mean, I love her. I follow everything she does. So when I noticed the minute she dyed her stopped dyeing her hair, and I just was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> because what happened was. Her, I, I connect myself, my own mortality to people like her. And I think that's a big part of what is happens in our culture that causes us to resist accepting people aging. People, men can age all they like. Women aging. So, yeah, I don't, I definitely didn't feel judgmental of her for doing those things, I just felt, shit, that's hard. (laughs) That's hard. It's hard because talk about requiring bravery to let yourself do whatever you want to do to make yourself feel good whether that's stop dyeing your hair or getting surgery or Botox. And I really need to find someone locally to get, I want some Botox again, even though it always doesn't come out well.
1: So. I'll send you a name.
2: Okay. Thank you. Anyway.
0: Yeah. God, it's complicated. When? It is complicated. So I was born with this jet black hair. I mean, I remember being, it being long when I was young and, You could see blue tint to it. I mean, that's how black my hair has always been. And I remember my grandma having the same and dyeing her hair jet black until she was in her 80s. And then finally she stopped. And I thought, that is so dumb. I will never do that. Now here I am in my 50s going, eesh how long do i do this because it's you know i'm not a platinum blonde where the gray can come in and no one can tell it's pretty damn clear damn. But how do you transition from this to something else am i going to be gwen stefani next month and go from this to platinum so that i can ease it no i don't know um so i agree i i think if you're doing it for other people it's unhealthy um, if you're doing it for you to make sure you still look like you for as long as possible and feel like you for as long as possible, fine, go with it. Um, but it, this stuff is hard. I, their ageism, especially against females is a big freaking deal. And Evelyn dealt with it in Hollywood. That's real. You deal with it in corporate life. That's real. And, and you know, men can go gray and be distinguished. Women can go gray and age out and never get a job again.
1: Yeah, or be fired for growing gray. Yeah, yeah. Women in Canada, they, um anchor in Canada did
0: exactly, exactly. So, you know, I'm I'm with both of you. You know, do what's right for you. Do think about it. I mean, you think about what you're wearing and, and, and how you're perceived by others, get the feedback from others professionally, at least to be sure you're in sync as best that you want to be. But at the end of the day, you know, be who you are, live, claim it, claim who you want to be and how you want to look and what makes you feel good, whether it's your hair dye or plastic surgery or Or what you wear. And if you're not fitting in, then you're not with the right place or you're not with the right people. Mm -hmm. I was 35 years old in one of my first executive roles and had a really bad coach in his 70s, male, white, obviously. And he was telling me if I were going to progress, I needed to let gray start to show. I didn't even have gray at that point. So I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, dye my sides white? (laughs) and then look like a stump that's a weird piece of advice strange so strange so yeah don't be inauthentic by trying to do these things either um whatever helps boost confidence
2: to put a bow on the book um conversation what i loved about the book even though she was such, you know, she was hard to love at times in the book, but I loved her and I loved the book because the book was messy and the book made me feel uncomfortable. And I haven't felt that way by uh, reading fiction in a long time. And my, my friend who is trans said to me uh, the day before yesterday, here's the thing about white people announcing that they're an ally or that they are in a trauma-informed uh, business or that they're in- they are want to be inclusive. It's not something you just show up and announce and then you're done. You have to live it and be in the, the mess of figuring out how to do that all the time or you're not it's or it's you know it's false so that's what I loved about this book and why I recommend it is that it brought forward the the messy reality of somebody trying to grappling with how and whether to be Um, their authentic self in the world and all of the ways that the world doesn't welcome that.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. It was messy and certainly gave me a finer appreciation for the mess that many go through on a daily basis just to know how to show up in life. Mm -hmm. God, what a burden. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's what I took away from it is the, how do I make this less burdensome for someone my mm-hmm. role in acceptance mm-hmm. acceptance and promotion
2: and leaning out our our voices
0: yeah so let's be clear we are allies we strive to be allies we strive to be accepting and opening open and welcoming to all Are we perfect as white privileged women? No, but we sure hope to be. And so we hope that anyone feels comfortable um, contacting us, um, wanting to work with us, and also raising issues to inform us when we are going off a path or making assumptions that we shouldn't make we never want to do that but we're not perfect either so thank you all we'll try this nonfiction thing again sometime okay um, it's
2: fiction you mean
0: fiction I, oh yeah fiction fiction let's we'll try the fictional thing again but it it really is a, a great generalization of nonfiction and the way many people are living. So if we can find some more of these, that would be great.
2: I reverse those two words all the time. So thank you for being one other person that
0: doesn't. You are very welcome, Liz. We've got mistakes we can all share constantly, right?
1: Dogs at work.
0: <laughs> True.
1: It's been fun. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.